should do it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Lookout Podcast. Joining me today is my guest, Jerry Gaylor. Thanks for joining me. Of course. Yeah, so Jerry Gaylor is an outdoor enthusiast, uh, entrepreneur, and just an all-around fun-loving guy. And I'm very thankful to have you on the podcast. You're too kind to me. No, I grew up on hunting and fishing in the Midwest, uh, kind of back where people know uh, about Midwest hunting, know about the, the big bucks that lurk in the woods down there, and I think that's one of the original names of Timber Ghost, isn't it, you know? Uh, it is, yeah. Yeah, I remember reading a lot of stories about that, a lot of old uh, a lot of old hunting stories. Yeah, yeah, and I remember when I was super young, my dad had this uh, hand-me-down camo, you know, which is kind of outdated, and I think it was called Timber Ghost, and my older brother would use it when we were in Boy Scouts and for uh, a game called Manhunt, which is basically like tag in the dark, and once... He was one of the first ones to have camouflage in the troop, and once that happened, everyone else was like, yeah, I got to get some camouflage, because even though it was like outdated, Timber Ghost, kind of that splotchy camo, it was still way more effective than jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And you said Timber Ghost, yeah, that was from the, the Big Bucks of the Midwest. Uh, there was also, in that same thing that I was reading about that, uh, they called them uh, slobber knockers. Slobber knockers. Yeah, I had never heard that before, and I saw it in an old, uh, it was an old like outdoor life like a uh, newspaper oh really that they have up in wisconsin yeah because uh. uh yeah wisconsin used to have the the big ones and uh seems like over the years though that's uh it's been coming down yeah huh yeah like not as many not as many deer i just noticed like traveling you know from montana back to the midwest and illinois and you just don't see as many on the side of the road like we we're talking about here out, out here at my place like you see deer every day you know it's not weird i mean we've got a local pheasant now that just cruises around and you know that that big um what the what the old boys called like the big uh, the big snowstorm that came through and wiped out a bunch of the peasant population in Illinois, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, I noticed definitely from uh, when I was younger, going up north, up to northern Wisconsin for you know camping trips, fishing, hunting. You'd see you know big bucks on the side of the road all over the place, especially after you got you know just a couple hours north. Yeah, a ton of them. But yeah, the last few years, I mean, here and there you'll see a couple, but yeah, not nearly the numbers that it used to be. Yeah, I wonder just the maybe the urban sprawl kind of taking up a lot of their land. And yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. It's yeah. just you know the population booming like it is. It's pushing them out of areas, and you know over the years a lot more getting hit and killed, and you're just seeing less deer now. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's that's one thing that you know keeps kind of coming up, and I, I think they're doing a pretty good job. Like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. I'm not up on my stats here, so someone listening might know. Well, probably knows a lot more than I do. But yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're just. Uh, you know, weekend, weekend warrior hunting types, you know, like... Absolutely. Try, trying to get there, but constant learning. Yeah. Yeah, always learning. That's the yeah. big thing, too. There's, there's so much to learn about it. And like we were kind of talking before this, you know, I got a got a good baseline, you know, f- yeah. from growing up hunting and, you know, stuff I've learned from family members, but it's not nearly what, you know, I want to know, what I am what I can know. There's there's so much out there. You just yeah. always learn. Absolutely, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the eternal student, you know, and, like, we're, well, even some of the books that you were reading, like whether it be like something that was released today. I mean, it's easy today with, you know, like, like Meteor podcast and you know, like the stuff Remy Warren's putting out. It's, it's pretty awesome. And one campaigns, like all those, all those big names, man, it's, I love watching it, man. I usually get a little nugget here and there, but even some of those old books, I mean, hunting, you know, has been the same for years. It's just the equipment's getting better. You know, yeah, the tactics it, are still pretty similar, you know? Yeah. A lot of those uh, books, they're the old North American hunting books. Uh, that I got, you know, from like my dad and stuff like that, and they were kind of just passed down. But even in those, bo- those books, they're talking about like bear archery, like that bear, was still kind yeah. of the newer thing that they were using was those those bear bows. Yeah, yeah, I, f- I forgot about that. Yeah, that man, 
was it Fred Bear? Is that Fred Bear? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Michigan. Yeah, pioneer. Ted Nugent talks about him a lot, man, and yeah. it's kind of like where where I found about it, you know. And myself, because of fire season and just being a student forever, um, I didn't really bow hunt much, you know. Like archery just was archery season was just not in the cards. Cause you should be gone, and so now I'm trying to get into that. So I'm, I'm catching up a little bit, but got an old Matthews that you know my dad had and hand me down. So hopefully I'll be able to. Get an elk one day with it and retire it and then move on to something a little bit more, uh, you know, a little, little newer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was the same, uh, like, all throughout high school and everything and college, like, playing basketball. Just you didn't have time during hunting season to actually get out. So I didn't think I started bow hunting until I was 21, and I was using an old bear bow. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that oh, I got from my dad. And, that uh, is super cool. Yeah, even, like, the little sight thing you're using on the back was just a little piece of a uh, zip tie. Oh, really? That you would have to line up, yeah, and it was oh, actually wow. – like crazy how accurate it was for, that's cool for having something you know Did, kind of primitive like that yeah but, uh yeah then i upgraded into a diamond archery bow oh and nice yeah i liked that and it was kind of still a beginner bow yeah but yeah, it's, it, it did the trick. Did you have any, like, the, like, fiber optic looking, like, sights, you know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah, yeah, uh, on the on the, bear? the diamond I had it. On the diamond? Yeah, no, the, the bear, it just had, like, a... Like a single pin or what? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a single pin, and, yeah, you were just supposed to kind of line up your... Uh, when I was first setting up with my dad, when I was first learning how to use it, he would tie a string to it, oh. where the zip tie ended up being. Oh, the gotcha. zip ties ended up working out better. Yeah. But he would tie a string to it, and you were just supposed to kind of line up that string with that one pin. Oh, and gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it was really rough using at first. But yeah, yeah, I imagine. You know, and, and when I got older, when I was younger, it was just like those little compound red bows that I bet a lot of people would have that um, my folks got from, from uh, Gander Mountain. It's like red plastic, and it's just got a little bit of a cam, yeah. you know, and uh, just enough resistance, you know, that a little kid can pull back, get some power out of it, but wouldn't do any damage to anything I, I had a similar one me and my my brother and sister had a similar one with your kids it was a black one but mm. a, a small one yeah it just had that little tiny cam yeah just enough so a kid can pull it back and that, yeah. that's what we all learned on two little like brass bbs in the back to yep. hold, hold the knock and yep. yeah yeah the same yeah same thing always i mean they're still around they're st those things are tough you know yeah. <laughs> but I, I still got it in the basement of the house you know every few years you know take it out and shoot it a little bit and that's awesome keep yeah. it moving yeah yeah, that's wild. I mean, the draw on that thing's got to be like... Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> just, nothing. Just it, is, it is nothing. Six couple, inches, couple inches back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's awesome, man. Yeah, and, and the thing is, too, like, they're so tough, and they teach you teach a lot, you know, especially with the release. Even though when you get, you know, into more hunting, you know, most people have a release and, and uh, you know, like something like a whisker biscuit or something holding your arrow, and then you got your sights, you know, so... Um, it's come a long way, but I think it helps give you a lot of good basics, you know. Yeah. Starting yeah. with that bow as a kid. It's definitely good starting out. Even just getting in your hands, you know throwing it up there, getting some shots down as a kid. I mean, it, it, you learn a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and then I was going to leave. We got off tangent, which is going to happen a bunch because that's just how podcasts work. But yeah. uh, what I was talking about, too, with, El with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and just, like, you know, stuff getting built up around Montana. It's just, you know, it just happened everywhere. But um, the winter ranges, you know, for elk, they're – that was a big concern a few years back, and they were trying to preserve a bunch of ground, like, in the bottomland, because I think most people know that in Montana, in a lot of the northwest states, there's the uh, public land in the mountains. And uh, I'm going to pause this for a quick. Yeah. And we're back. Yeah, long pee break. Long pee break. Had to wrestle a dog or two. Uh, so we're talking about the winter range of elk and just the habitat loss of uh, with white-tailed deer in the Midwest. Um, no actual hard numbers on this, but just 
observations, seems like those big bucks of the past just aren't as plentiful. Yeah, they're getting a lot harder to find. Um, luckily, back in Illinois where I was bow hunting, uh, I kind of had a little sweet spot. Uh, it was just 36 acres, which, you know, isn't a lot for, you know, getting out bow hunting and trying to chase down deer, but it was surrounded on all sides by cornfields, apple orchards, a forest preserve, and then a golf course. Yeah. So I just kind of kind of breeding the big ones in that area. So you can still find them, but it's, it's a lot harder to get close to them. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, you always hear about how smart those Midwest, miss what Midwest bucks can be too, you know, and just yeah. less ground from the travel and they're, you know, got their habits and man, yeah, smart. And then, but having all those food groups, like you say, you got some grass from the golf course, apples, you know, and then corn, you know, you always hear about corn fed bucks being some big bucks. So yeah. It definitely and helps. The golf course has a couple of ponds on it. So, I mean, when I'm sitting in my tree stand, I can see over onto the golf course pretty good. Oh, yeah. I mean, beautiful. You see a lot of deer moving through the golf course, but they know they're safe over there. No one's touching them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I want to talk to you about, too. Like, no one out here really bow hunts you know my my dad's put up a stand in his uh on his land before his low low land by the creek and same with uh you know a few buddies buying but nothing consistent really i mean once i see a tower or two like at the edge of a field i think but yeah and it's a lot different you know out here as it is back you know in in illinois in illinois there's not a lot of public lands uh yeah. if you do get on public land you kind of have to stay in the same spot because if you try pushing through the woods or trying to trying to stalk at all uh you're running into other hunters left and right yeah so it kind of sucks because you're you're limited to only being able to be in a deer stand and having to i mean you do have to put in your research you have to see where they're moving and you have to get a good you know lay of the land and try to set up in the right spot but as opposed to out here where you can you know go out on public land and actually go go stalking and tracking the animals and, and yeah. getting after it that way yeah that's what i was about to say the uh you know a lot of the bread and butter out this way is spot and stock you know it's been spend less time hiking and more time glass and you'll save your legs and yeah which is you know uh pretty uh it's uh pretty effective is what we're looking for Jeez. yeah yeah absolutely yeah. brain is not working right a little more tea in that i feel that yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah so and then you hear like those big swamp bucks and you probably got some of those back in, in the Midwest as well, huh? Yeah, I uh, used to see them all the time, especially uh, I live across from a uh, uh, state park. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you'd go through there at, at, you know, either towards the evening or early in the morning, and you, you'd jump those big, nasty-looking swamp bucks out there. Yeah, just, and know, some of those legendary pictures, I mean, they're really non-typical. You have almost like a, a weird little hand, like paddle almost yeah, off the side of like some of them. Yeah, kind of like a kicker coming off one end. Or, and, yeah. Yeah. Drop yeah, real real strange looking racks, but uh, real dark. Their their fur and everything's real dark. Oh man, I, I, that's got to be just from I'm assuming being in those swamps all the time. Yeah, the, yeah whatever the diet they're on there. Yeah, it's uh, the spot that I was at too. It's a it's a bog. It's a natural bog. Oh yeah. So you see them all the time. You know, coming in and out of the swamp, like going over into the boggy areas and and getting back into the tamaracks where it was thicker and they could hide a little better. Yeah. Oh yeah. I wonder if there's some must be some nutrient too that I guess they you know they got some good cover and a lot of people aren't really wanting to hike through that boggy country. Yeah, you know, yeah, no one really wants to work that hard to get at them. Yeah, totally, and especially, I mean, just thinking of like the gearing up for even if you had to stand out in in a bog country, you know, like you probably got to have almost like some kind of waders or at least a tall muck boot or something to get out to your stand, and then either you're sitting sweating your butt off in them or you know you kick them loose and like you'd have to scent the bottom of your tree and you don't want that either. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a lot, a lot of difficulty trying to get out to those ones and, and really be able to put one down. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then I know just talking to folks, I've, I've never hunted a tree stand. Just you, know, you find a, a game trail typically, or at least a spot where you see a lot of rubs, and and like you, you know, you had a bunch of like food around your area. So just find a good spot and probably with the wind too you don't see what the wind's doing and And that's where a lot of those uh those books we were talking about earlier those north american hunting books um from back in the day uh taught me a lot about that stuff too it it lets you know what you're supposed to be looking for and you know the the topography that you that's you know more ideal for getting into the bigger bucks and even just down to like their diet yeah uh, i never knew how big acorns were Oh, and yeah. like trying to find oak trees and stuff like that and like the they get the protein from those acorns yeah and i, I can't remember if it was a meteor episode or something like that where they're talking about the the protein from the acorns and um i guess even like kind of looped this into fire actually when i was down south talking to those guys you know big squirrel hunting and uh they're just talking about like acorns really like gives you a good size of squirrel and like gives a little more flavor too which is you know, crazy conversation I expect to have, but I mean, it's kind of a big thing down that way, you know. It makes sense too that, that 36 acres I was talking about where I was hunting, uh, one side of it was kind of thick woods with a lot of oak trees, and the other side of the property had some pine trees and was more kind of like an open field. And you'd you'd catch occasionally, you know, a decent sized buck going through the the side with the the pine trees in the open field, but consistently the big ones were in the woods by the the thick oaks and and back in there yeah man there's spook so easy too it seems like and oh yeah and then you know for the folks who know about um bow hunting here is when you when you pick your stand too you gotta have shooting lanes on you know between you and the target you know typically a buck um and then that swampy country is just all um we call it jack straw but all just like a mess like a weave of plants yeah so it and then if you go down there and disturb it too much, a, a big wise buck is going to see that you cut yourself shooting lane and then hard to keep your scent off all that too, you know? Yeah, yeah they're smart like that, man. Yeah. Uh, there was one that I that I shot at and, and I had missed, but just, you know, the arrow whizzing past it and it jumping and spooking like that, it didn't come back to that area for a long time. Yeah, and man. It was like that, that shot was just enough to let it know like, oh, this isn't safe. I'm not going to come back to this spot. Yeah, something weird. And then they got, they, they almost have like intuition too. And it's amazing because you get sometimes the best cam in the world and you can see it on like a lot of outdoor videos, like from the outdoor channel and someone will be in a tree and you know, they get the camera on them and, and then they show the camera view of the buck and the buck staring up there. Like that wasn't there yesterday, even though you're blending in, there's still something that just, you know, is throwing a, a bad signal to that buck, you know? Yeah, and that was something my, uh, my great uncle Bob used to talk about too, was, uh, when he would go out and set his stands early in the season for where he was going to hunt, he would put like a trash bag with some stuff up there that looked like, you know, a blob sitting up in the stand just so they get used to it during the year. And then when the season would come around, he would go and take it out. Oh. And so they, so they're looking like, all right, like that looks a little different, but it was still like able to trick them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call, man. Get them used to something in the tree there. And yeah, yeah. And then when you're up in the tree, they're not even thinking anything of it. Yeah, that's that's what you're hoping for. <laughs> yeah, man, that's crazy. Like, and I don't, I don't think a lot of people who haven't really had a lot of experience hunting, especially bow hunting, know that that kind of like chess game and 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 the patience too, because people I think who see, especially the outdoor channel and stuff, there's a lot of, you know, like uh, just well uh populated areas for animal you know like and which is which is fine I, that's you know totally fine go hunt those it's just like public land's a little bit tougher than that and so you don't see them as much and so your patience you know especially you spend a few nights in a, in a tree stand or or just staking out an open open field you know or open park and seeing some animals but nothing's in range it's especially with a bow you know 40 i mean you can, people are taking shots out a little farther but you know typically especially in timber it's like a 40 yard range there you know and yeah yeah i mean it's really cool seeing like the difference between the younger bucks and the older ones too, because 
the younger ones, I mean, I've had young bucks come up and lick my ladder oh, while, really? while I'm sitting in my stand. I got videos of it. It's really cool. That's but, awesome. Uh, the older ones, it's like they're way smarter. So a lot of the time, they, I'd be right on their game trail. I know where they're coming. They're coming to check their rubs. They're coming to check all their scrapes. And they'd come up, and it's almost like they'd sense you. Yeah. And you know, I'm got the good camo on. I got, I'm wearing hex gear. I got you know scent killer, all that kind of stuff. I make sure I'm trying to do everything you know, right to a T. Yeah. And these things would come in and it's like they would kind of just look around and they would stay about, you know, 45, 50 yards outside of me. Yeah. And just kind of walk around my tree stand. No, they're just far enough up from reaching almost. It's, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's almost eerie too to, to see them have that kind of awareness. And then to plug in the hex gear and the scent killer. Scent killer, I mean, is what it says. It's, it's supposedly kills the scent, which seems like it works really good, you know, to keep the, the human scent off you and hopefully have no scent and at least nothing to tip off a deer. And then the hex gear is almost like an electromagnetic, electromagnetic field, right? Uh, blocker. Like shield. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's supposed to block your, your natural electromagnetic field that your body puts off. Yeah, and there's been, I think, a few studies and at least some theories on it that, that just having a different electric current, I guess, more like an electric source of, uh, as a human hunter in the tree that a deer or, you know, like a... Uh, just an intelligent prey animal or just a sensitive prey animal, I guess, uh, we'll be able to pick up on. So that's, that's the point of the hex gear is to plug that in for people who might not know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Probably not the best way to explain it, but no, no, I think that was great. No, that, that really nailed it. But yeah, I, so I was really skeptical of that hex gear when it first came out. And then, uh, I got it one season and first thing I did, my brother and I went out bow hunting and got all dressed up in the hex gear. And there was a, a flock of turkeys. Oh, that yeah. was going through the area that we were in, and he got a video of me kind of stalking up on them, creeping up on them. And I, every time they'd turn around, you know, I'd stop, and it's like they were looking, like, in my direction. They could sense something was there, but it's like they couldn't see me. Oh, that's It was that's really awesome. cool. So they were kind of, like, looking through me, yeah. and they'd turn around to keep on their path, and I was able to get almost right into their block, like, almost right into the middle of them. Jeez, man. Right, I could have grabbed one. That is and awesome. Yeah, so that, that was... That was kind of cool. That's really you know. cool, especially the, uh, the vision. And, you know, turkeys are known to have great vision. You see yeah. people, you know, like just even a little bit. Um, for folks who don't know, like the, the box, um, help me out with this, like the scratch box for calling a turkey. Ah, I forget the name of it. Yeah, there's a proper name for that. But anyway, I always just call it turkey call. <laughs> yeah, turkey call. And it's like basically you got a stick and you're scratching, and it makes that, that kind of chirping noise that a turkey makes. And even just that little subtle movement, and if for people who are watching on video and folks at home, I'm barely moving my, my for folks who might just be doing audio, I am barely moving my hand. And it's just that little subtle movement. A turkey can pick up on that from a long ways away. So, like, you being able to walk up on a turkey is really impressive. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and I think it was directly the hex gear that yeah. I was wearing. And, you know, I've seen all the videos of, like, the divers using the hex gear, too. Uh, when they're, you know, going around sharks yeah, and stuff Yeah, I heard about that. same thing. It's like they just can't sense you're that you're there yeah can't see you yeah that's that's awesome get some of that for surfing i guess yeah seriously <laughs> yeah man and then um those those swamp bucks too i know you're saying their their fur is a little darker color are their uh horns a little darker their antlers uh that i've noticed yeah that's all, yeah me yeah, too but, are, I, but i wonder I if that's i wonder if that dark comes from just the the territory that they're they're going through you know coming in and out of those swamps and they're, they're kind of getting that muck on them yeah because uh, some you see that'll have a real dark body and, and the dark rack with it too and then other ones you'll see like the dark body, but that rack will be nice and light still. Oh, really? Yeah. And, yeah I'm, I'm wondering if that's just because they're keeping their antlers, you know, up out of it. It could be. Uh, but, yeah. yeah it's kind of almost like a big stinky buck, just you know, out there in the muck and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, like an elk will get in the wallow and you know get a get pretty ripe as well, you know. Yeah. That same way. But 
yeah, I hope to hope to see that. I know they're making a big effort everywhere to get, to bring back you know deer populations, especially in the Midwest, and then re- reintroducing elk to the Midwest is super cool. And yeah, yeah, I know they're doing that up in Wisconsin. Uh, I think they started that. What was it, 1996? Oh wow! They started reintroducing them. Yeah, that's awesome. They wanted to get the herd to a certain size, and I think it's it's you know gone way above and beyond what they expected. Oh, which good. Is, which is really nice to see, and I've seen on like Facebook and other social medias of. Uh, some of the spots up in Wisconsin that I used to go, you know, hunting and camping and fishing, all that kind of stuff where they never had elk before. Yeah. And now there's, you know, bull elk fighting in the road that, that are going like as viral videos. It's really that's cool good. to see. Yeah, that's going to be really cool to see, man. Because you always hear the stories like back, way back when, there's supposed to be elk roaming all over. Yeah, all over the Midwest. Yeah. That was their, their territory. Yeah, even when I was in uh, southern North Carolina, kind of around Murphy, North Carolina, they had just reintroduced some elk around there because they said that. I you know, know they yeah, southern it out there. Yeah, Smoky Mountains, southern, you know. Uh, Appalachians and um, I guess it used to be all country as well. So, yeah. their locals pretty happy. You had a local herd and they'd see them every once in a while. And I um, haven't checked back in on them, but hopefully they're doing good because yeah. that'd be kind of neat. I mean, that's exciting for the whole community too. I mean, everybody loves seeing wildlife. Yeah. You know, everybody talks about, you know, when you see a deer, it's like, shh, look, look. Yeah. Look, look the window, there's a deer. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I want to bring up too about the cool thing about bow hunting is since you're not moving around, you're just in one area and you're just there observing. I mean, you're just right in there with nature, you know, and it's, definitely uh a test of patience for people who maybe can't sit still you know yeah. oh yeah yeah if you can't sit still and you're, you're not going to do that that good bow hunting yeah yeah because they they can pick up on all those little movements yeah absolutely man and then just being immersive i mean my dad was telling me stories about when he was in a wow that really picked up when i got closer should i do that i mean <laughs> yeah I mean, that's a little that's a little better huh yeah yeah my dad was telling me stories when he was uh out hunting you know in, in the midwest and being a tree stand and flying squirrel landed in on his chest one time yeah i think probably bring it up a little bit yeah i got you yeah it sounds a lot better huh flying squirrel landed on his chest yes yeah, on his chest i mean just about scared him out of that stand and um he had his like safety strap on so it, i mean it just took a little whipper but uh still i mean about evacuated his bowels yeah, <laughs> when that yeah. thing got a hold of him and you're happy to have a safety strap during those times too i mean i've had like squirrels come up the tree by me i've had raccoons come up the tree I've had birds land on that little bar, you know, in front of the in yeah. front of you on the tree stand, so you yep. don't fall out forward. Yeah, I've had stuff bar. like that happen. But uh, flying squirrel landing on our chest, yeah, it's oh <laughs> man, it's really got to send you. Spooky, especially I think he's pretty focused on a group of does that just walked through, and still, you know, your you, your sense are going bananas, and you can hear that just that crunch of the leaves, you know, and so he's really zoned in, and all of a sudden that's silent, you know, because they don't they don't flap or anything, they just kind of bounce and yeah, then soar, yeah, yeah, just glide, yeah, and. So there was no sound with it until it hit him in the chest, and <laughs> yeah, probably lost a few years off his life for oh, from sure. that one. That's the other thing too; those leaves crunching in the fall. I mean, you'll have you'll have a, a decent sized squirrel coming through the woods, and you think it's a buck. Yeah, just the way it sounds because you're out there, you know, you're you're silent, you're trying to be quiet, you're hearing everything around you, and all of a sudden you just hear something come trampling through the woods, and it's like, oh, here comes one, and squirrel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, getting all fired up, getting everything ready. Yep. Oh yeah, that's, I can imagine, man. Like, cause just me walks through the woods. I, you know, I hunted it, but just walks through the woods and you can hear how loud it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff when you're just sitting in a stand for hours on end, just in nature, just listening to everything and taking it in your surroundings and you yeah. get to see a lot of cool things. And then taking a pause on life. Right. I mean, that's like a big thing is being able to disconnect. Cause like, you can't have your phone out there. I mean, you could have it on, on airplane mode and take some photos, but like, you're not going to be on your phone unless, no. yeah. you, you know, you're not really, not really out there to hunt or anything, you know? Yeah. So that's that's a big part of it, man. I think, it, just in my own opinion, just in life, there's not a lot of opportunity to just take hit the pause button and just enjoy the moment, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are missing out on that. 
yeah. they just kind of get you know sucked into the hustle and bustle of life and and they forget to take the time to slow down and and really reflect on things and take in your surroundings and yeah and just kind of have a day for themselves you exactly know? like yeah. kind of along that self-care line you know taking care taking care of yourself doing self-care yeah didn't come out right the first time i'd repeat it no i got it yeah. <laughs> oh thanks man. i appreciate yeah, I that and then um another thing i want to talk to you about was the the boundary waters in minnesota right yeah yeah, yeah. northern minnesota northern minnesota beautiful and that is i mean is that almost in canada how far north are we talking i think it's pretty close to the border there yeah that's what i, was I remember because i was last time i was up there i was 13 eighth grade eighth grade graduation trips uh oh. my dad would always take you know me and my brother and my sister when we graduate eighth grade uh us and a, a bunch of our friends yeah and go up for like a week-long camping trip up in the boundary waters awesome tradition Which, yeah yeah really cool a lot of fun uh especially a lot of my friends that you know never got to go out you know and get out in nature go fishing go canoeing camping stuff like that they loved it yeah that's, that's a big part man that's a good point too because like so much of that is depending on your parents right if your parents are outdoorsy then chances are you're gonna be outdoorsy at least a little bit and then you can kind of decide whether you want to pursue that when you're older or not yeah but if you don't have that opportunity or your kid like it makes it way tougher God, oh, yeah. that sounds a lot better huh? getting close in there am I, am I close enough with this yeah oh yeah is it, it better just, right there yeah it, it? yeah it's a little better it just definitely just like crisps it yeah. up you know like a little bit better audio yeah a little clearer but probably here hear my teeth smashing together so <laughs> be careful on that but yeah up in uh it's it's got to be right on the border of canada because i remember some of the guides before we would go out because uh you drive up stay at the yeah uh, i guess kind of break it down i guess like on what the trip yeah. is because basically it's canoeing camping trip right yeah yeah so you're you're canoeing uh through a bunch of lakes and you you know get to the end of a lake and you got a portage you know pick up your canoe and all your gear and walk it you know down a trail to the next lake and then hop on that lake and same thing you're canoeing you're fishing just having a good time and you're you're just you know rowing and portaging the whole time and then you find a spot you want to camp pull in there and stay for the night oh awesome but uh the night before you go out on like your full trip you get to the guide station uh they got like little bunk houses there and you spend the night there the next morning you go have breakfast with the guides and everybody and they would pretty much you know go over the maps of where you're going to be going uh, what you want to look out for, what you don't want to do, what you do want to do, all, all that kind of stuff. And then they drive you to the landing and send you off with all your gear. Oh, really? And then it's just, yeah, you're just out there. Just you and your group? No. You you and your group for however long you plan on being out there. That's awesome. Map, yeah. Back in the day, mapping a compass. Now you yeah, get, yeah. Now, now GPS or Onyx. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Way yeah. way better nowadays going out there and, you know, a little peace of mind. Yeah, be able to track, track where you're at and where you need to get to, you know, especially in a canoe, you know. Yeah. Like, trying to time that right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's incredibly bring fishing poles and all that good stuff too yeah yeah bring fishing poles uh all your camping gear um go out there and uh you want to bring extra food and you know stuff like that because you don't really exactly rely on just bringing the fishing gear yeah just in case you know you get skunked but uh yeah the fishing was always great every time we went out there that's awesome um, man you know perch walleye bass yeah yeah pretty much that that's that's the gist of it northern yeah. too getting oh, a nice. lot of northern yeah. pike but some bluegill maybe too uh you can find them yeah you want to yeah. go into the, the Mostly it was uh, smallmouth and walleye. Oh, nice. Uh, but you get into a lot of perch, but uh, you, you can get into areas and, and get more panfish. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, panfish is kind of fun. They get pretty big. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, you know, we, we did quite a bit of fishing, but a lot of it, too, was just the experience of being out there, going yeah. out hiking, uh, going out and just seeing all this beautiful land. The wildlife was incredible. Uh, it's a lot of moose oh, out there. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, like Canadian moose probably, huh? Oh, I don't know, but they're, they're huge. Whatever kind they are. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too open my species with uh, moose because out here we had the shyrus moose, 
And it's uh, supposedly like a little bit smaller than the Canadian moose, but man, you can still find some really big Shiras moose around here, especially around um, Whitehall, where I'm from, you know. And um, But yeah, those Canadian monsters is what I'm guessing would be in the Boundary Waters. But yeah, I, don't know. I mean, it's it's right on the border of Canada out there, so it, I'm assuming probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense, man. Those things are huge. Yeah, the, the night before, uh, during my uh, trip with my friends that we went up there, uh, we were just kind of walking around the area where the, the guide shack was with the bunkhouse. And, you know, it's evening, sun's going down, and it's right on the water. And you can see right across the water, there was a bunch of, bunch of moose just hanging out in the water. Oh, cool, yeah, a couple, man. A couple of big bulls and a couple yeah. of cows. But, yeah, they were just out there just, you know, minding their own. Just, That's awesome, Just man. hanging out. Yeah, it was really cool. You know, better to see them from across the lake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'd rather... Rather have a close encounter with a, a bear almost than yeah, you know, yeah, than, yeah, than yeah a moose. angry territorial moose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, spe- yeah, especially a female moose. Um, how many days of that trip typically? Uh, I want to say when we went, we was uh, five nights. Hmm. Yeah, five nights, six days. Five nights, six days. Um, nice. But they had a bunch of different packages with the guide stations because we're using the guides, you know, canoes and stuff like that. You can bring up your own, but uh, we were using all their equipment for the most part, other than like our fishing poles and some of our camping gear. Uh, so you set up a, like a predetermined you know set of days with them oh gotcha. so yeah you can you can kind of choose how long you want to be out there that's nice yeah and they probably like tell you in the map like you know if you're on going for three days it's about as far as you probably want to go or yeah you know, if you're going for five you, you can go out to here because they do a, a sh- really good job at that too that's good and, and yeah, let yeah. you know like your, your parameters and you know based on your time that you're going to be there like yeah like you said like how far out you can get and how long it's going to take to get back yeah yeah totally and they've probably been watching the weather like hawks too so it's like well oh yeah you know like you got some good shelter probably here but if you uh, get stuck in the middle you know and this this cell comes through or whatever or maybe it's fine but you know yeah. just good heads up on that uh the trip that i was out on so a lot a lot of like kind of cool things happen during these trips uh it's either my brother or my sister's uh graduation trip up there one of the nights they had a bunch of moose run through their camp oh wow, that that's night. awesome yeah yeah so that, that was kind of cool kind of scary i was gonna say yeah cool but um and during mine we were on an island oh. and we kind of had like a little channel that we were fishing in it was great fishing it was awesome but a storm rolled in the one night that we were sleeping there and a tornado went through literally oh. right across the channel. Holy and God. really, yeah, you could see all the destruction the next day and everything. It was Jeez. like, whoa. That, that was sketchy. That was a close one. <laughs> man, yeah. yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, I don't like tornadoes, man. No. Like, no. Yeah. At all. Because most, it seems like they're always hitting at night, you know? I mean, not always, them, but yeah. yeah, a lot of them seem to be coming at night, you know? And, uh, would not like that. Especially back when I was living in Illinois and Wisconsin. I mean, they were, they were huge out there. And, uh, I was going to college up in Menominee, Wisconsin, and that kind of area up there they called the uh, Tornado Alley of the mid- of the uh, uh, the Upper Midwest. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so I never knew that. that went through that area. Wow. Some nasty storms that went through there. Dang, yeah, because you don't hear about it as much, you know. Like no. at least for me, my brain goes goes like Southern, you know, like you get occasional in the Northern Illinois, but like Southern Illinois and Kansas, you know, yeah, and even all the Northern Illinois states. where I'm from. Like I I thought it was way more prevalent, you know, there, and I didn't know anything about it when I was going up there. And then when I went up there and people were talking about it, it was like, oh, like <laughs> I thought this was more, you know, back where I was from. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of wild. Yeah, because everyone's got their own kind of, you know bad storm going on i just didn't think it would track that north i mean but i guess it makes sense because um right after i got down to college at msub uh montana state university in billings um trying to catch those acronyms so if you see if you hear one <laughs> shout it no, out i'll call you out on it yeah thank you i appreciate <laughs> that uh yeah so the the big gym there used to be called the metra i think it's called something else but um it's just like a big arena they the now rodeos there a lot of big concerts that come through montana like garth brooks oh, and nice, stuff usually yeah. end up at, at the metra yeah and 
there's an old horse racing track out back, but really cool. It's almost like what most people probably see, like their state fairgrounds would be, is what the metro area is. Okay. And uh, man, we had a, a decent enough tornado take like part of the roof off and do a bunch of destruction in the area. Luckily, I think the the grandstands for the horse track is was still intact, but it was, I mean, right there. So yeah, kind of wild to see. And I mean, I don't, you never hear about tornadoes really in Billings, so it's kind of strange. Yeah. So with it being that rare and that much destruction, did the community kind of pull together? and everybody kind of help out yeah yeah i think so man i mean it didn't do so much residential damage that i'm no, that i'm aware of but yeah I, I think they did some fundraisers and got the got the roof on the metro and and uh, i think they were able to do some upgrades so yeah, yeah. you know kind of worked out in the end that's there. good that is kind of uh kind of the cool thing about well, i don't know about cool but the kind of blessing in a lot of those natural disasters is how it kind of brings the community together um when i was younger yeah. uh early teens uh we had a really bad tornado go through southern wisconsin and I mean, it, it destroyed a lot of houses, a lot of buildings and uh, the whole community. Cause I mean, we were probably 25 minutes away from it. Oh, so, yeah. you know, we were coming up to help and then you would hear people from other states that were showing up to help and people just from all around Jeez, that man. were just going to help the community and clean up and help rebuild. So it was really cool to see. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Yeah. The humans, man, like, you know, there's a little negative, you know, that comes in every once in a while, but if you, if you focus on it, that's all you see. But if you look around for the positivity, man, like it's, it's always there. There's yeah. always people help helping you know helpers helps to stay off of the social medias a lot too especially with the stuff that's going on in the world and getting yeah. out and just reconnecting with humans and and seeing the good in everybody still yeah exactly man and like you know like the old mark twain uh, quote about travel you know it's, it's fatal, fatal to bigotry and narrow-mindedness because mm-hmm. you know like y- you get mad at somebody you know whoever knows like you know in montana you know a bunch of people are moving in people get mad about it but it's like go did you meet these people that are moving in and why they're here? You yeah. know, like there's, there's a reason why they're coming here and you know, it's, it's just a bum deal. Cause the, the housing market's going, you know, a little outrageous, but yeah, you know, like most of the outsiders that I've met, you know, are really, really nice and you know, are here for the same reasons I am, you yeah. know, like yeah. outdoors. Yeah. Beautiful you know? area. You want to, you want to be able to get out and uh, maybe in the state that they were at, you know, that wasn't an option for them. That wasn't yeah. something that, they, that was easily accessible. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't even like it. I mean, COVID or just restrictions on public lands that we were talking like in the Midwest, it's not as, not as easy to find those public lands and get yeah. out. Yeah. Really, really difficult. Yeah. You're, yeah. So, I mean, more freedom, you know, that's what everyone's searching for, I think, you know, yeah. and find a little more compassion in your, in your fellow human. Yeah. But I was just thinking too, just, you know, coming from Illinois to Montana, it's like, uh, you know, back in Illinois, it's like, you want to go hiking around and stuff like that. You got to find a state park or something like that and you got to go find you, know, you have to do research yeah. just to be able to go out and hike and, see, say, and see some some nature kind of take some take some planning you know yeah so yeah. And out here i mean it's abundant yeah you, you can go just about anywhere and you're in beautiful country you're seeing a lot of animals and you're just out in nature and you can enjoy it yeah yeah absolutely it's, it's, it's a great thing yeah absolutely man i mean billings being the biggest city in montana has the rim rocks right like right against the montana state university billings campus is you know got the rims right against it rim rocks are these it's a band of mountains almost like kind of like i don't know i mean i was gonna say coral but a coral doesn't really it's just like a cliff that like lines the north side of billings and uh there's good rock climbing in there there's all kinds of trails there's like mountain biking out towards like more of the west end it's it's uh it's really cool and you just got i mean that's right in town in like the biggest city in montana yeah so. even just what i've seen here with uh with the m in missoula you yeah. know the m looking over the campus you know that's a, that's a, a big hiking trail you can hike up to the m that's just another thing you know outdoors that's cool that you can go out anybody can go do yeah absolutely man i mean people like you said it's, it's right next to campus there too at university of montana so 
you know, if you get a little time in between class and just need to knock the cobwebs off and yeah. before you get after it again, or if you're in the library, I mean, it's right next to the library. So if you're in the library studying and just want to go get some fresh air and a good and a beautiful view, you know, looking over the Missoula, the town of Missoula and the, yeah, and the Clark Fork River, the Clark right Fork there, River. Yeah, that's the, what I was the football say. stadium, that beautiful yeah. stadium. Yeah. We Washington Grizzly stadium right there. Yeah. That's amazing, man. And look across the Mount Jumbo. It's uh, yeah, man, just, just super lucky. So yeah, I mean, I think maybe understanding what, where people are coming from is maybe the first step before you get too angry about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely trying to, it's almost like putting yourself in someone else's shoes, you know, before yeah. you get angry about it, you know, think, you know, why, why are they coming here? Yeah, exactly, you know, man. What, what are they getting away from? What are they trying to find? Yeah. Yeah. It's reconnecting, really. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the reason why I bring up the uh, um, Bondurage trip is because, we got a pretty awesome trip coming up, the Smith River trip. That's Ooh, around yes the same, yeah, around the same time frame. Yeah, about uh, four nights and five days on the Smith River, as long as it all goes well and has water in it. Yeah, so far the snowpack is looking pretty good. So yeah, snowpack is looking great, and hopefully that puts a little, little bit of a slow roll in the fire season as well. You know, like yeah. it's we were talking, like we were just talking I might this morning. Explain to people who may, might not know what a snowpack is, and because oh, yeah. I didn't know until a couple of weeks ago, you know, talking to you about it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. So, the snowpack is just like the amount of snow that accumulates in the mountains, and you can go on. Um, you just Google like snow, Montana snowpack, and it'll just show you the percentage compared to what average is, which I'm not sure what the average is, but I think it's a, a big time frame of time, and they find the you know average amount of snow that on a on a non-drought season i'm pretty sure and so right now i mean we're at 100 percent in most areas in montana and i think here in the Bitterroot, we're at like 125 percent, maybe even great. more than that right now yeah it's it's awesome yeah, it should help out a lot with that uh that hopefully you know june not being as hot as it normally is and a little bit of snowpack you know keeping the keeping the fires at bay yeah exactly that's yeah that's what kind of hoping there you know and I mean, fire season is probably something that will always be around. But, you know, like you said, if we have a little milder June, which it's looking like it's going to be, and then, um, you know, the snow comes off the mountains a little slower, that'll definitely help. And see what July brings. July has been pretty hot the last few years. So yeah. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But, um, so, yeah, so then hopefully, you know, in July when we go on the Smith trip, we'll have plenty of water floated because, uh, yeah, we have some gear. And, um, yeah, I don't want to be, I don't wanna be, you know, having to carry the raft. But we've got a few low spots, I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, every time, you know, I, I, I look up stuff about that trip and the Smith river and all that guy, I get more excited. Yeah, man. It's such an important place. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it because there was a push for a mine and somewhere downstream, upstream, wherever it was, but it was going to, it was going to kind of ruin that. Uh, what is a, a state park in Montana, um, is the Smith river is the section of river. I guess, I'll, I guess I'll go, we'll go back to the beginning. Smith River is a permit that you can put in yearly, and um, it's it's almost like a hunting tag where it's a lottery, and so many people put in, but there's only so many permits given it per year not to overload the section of river. So some of the best uh, trout fishing you can find, at least in my opinion, in the nation, because it is restricted and regulated, so it's not getting overfished like a lot of the rivers um, seem to be getting these days, just because I think fly fishing is on the rise, like people are really get into it which is super cool i mean it's yeah aw- awesome sport so yeah it, it's it's like an art form too yeah uh i haven't done much you know fly fishing uh, when i was a kid you know out on some small lakes you know pan fishing you know catching bluegill and stuff like that on a fly rod but yeah. you don't really have to worry about you know keeping attention with that and it, it's more just for fun but you know coming out here and uh going out on this trip and going 
fly fishing for trout and you know on this this renowned river for it you know just getting really excited for it yeah yeah it keeps the fun man it, it keeps the, the population of the, of the uh fish up and oh didn't want to burp in the mic <laughs> and uh so it keeps the population of the fish up and then also the health of the river too you know like so it's not getting hammered and um and then I'm, I'm wondering i'm just guessing because it's just a limited time frame too so the smith river is permitted only for a few months of the year so um during those heat during the heat of summer you're not getting as much stress on the fish sometimes like you get in other areas and i mean like in montana the fishing will shut down and uh, during the heat of the day typically to to give the the uh, fish a little bit of a break you know yeah yeah that's really good for the for the fish population there too yeah, that's another thing uh even just in illinois and uh, wisconsin that i've seen a lot and up in canada they do it great but uh doing that slot limit too for fish oh yeah and not just letting them get overfished and uh destroying the populations and keeping that healthy fish population it's it's great to see yeah that's really good man keeping that stress level down the fish you know yeah and for people who don't know like a, a slot limit when you're fishing is like uh they only let you keep a certain size to keep the fish population healthy so like up in when we were up in canada for walleye it was like you could only keep between 14 inches and like 18 inches something like that oh really um, numbers might be a little off there but yeah, yeah it's so that's like the healthy ones to eat and stuff like that and you leave the smaller ones to to grow bigger and you leave the bigger ones to keep breeding yeah yeah because they breed that healthier population too yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense man and it's yeah it's just it's good conservation you know and, and creating a healthier uh healthy outdoors for all of us you know more, see more animals, uh, less disease in the population too, you know, with a little bit of control. Yeah, so it keeps just a healthy population, a really, a really healthy population. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good to see, man. And, and, uh, it, and I'm just guessing too, the Smith, I'm guessing it was, you know, beautiful spots. So it was probably getting, getting uh, hammered pretty hard there for a while and the fit, fish population is probably hurting. So it's yeah. good that, that they, uh, turned into a park whenever they did that should know my history a little better, but so that, that um, Smith mine, you know, that was going on, I, I think they might have put a, a stop to it, and which would be great because I'm not exactly sure what was going to happen. But it was going to, like, ruin uh, whatever the, the beautiful fishing is back there. So Yeah, and the um, last thing you want to do is ruin, you know, these beautiful lands that we have. And yeah. These public lands that you're able to go out and enjoy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. So um, hopefully that's still, still uh, you know, still on stop, you know, and, yeah. and maybe never continuing. Because, yeah, I mean, there's not, not too many places like that, in, you know, in the world, you know, I would say is, is the Smith River. But, yeah, so, um, got that trip planned, four nights, five days, and uh, I got to figure out how to use a fly rod. I mean. You and me both. Yeah. <laughs> I reteach myself. Yeah, I can kind of throw a fly, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I can practice in the yard all I want, but it's way different when you get a fish on there. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, just just keeeping that tip, you know, up and keep the tension on the line. And you know, flies don't have barbs, so as soon as that that uh, fly can, uh, or as soon as that trout gets a little bit of slack in that line, they're usually able to break it loose. You yeah, know, like pop it up. Good. Yeah, spit you. Yep, spit it right out. So yeah, kind of the same thing. Uh, when I was up in Canada, they learned about uh, musky fishing. If you don't keep that tension on them, you know, they got a real hard mouth. It's pretty easy for them to spit you if they want. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. I got all them teeth, too. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, so uh, I was trying to think of something else outdoorsy I wanted to discuss. Tea's just not quite cutting her. I should probably went over to coffee. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just good, man. I think 
hopefully stuff like the Smith River, I can keep bringing up for uh, this podcast and just get more more awareness and just more people getting out there and getting after it and enjoying the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do you guys have any more spots like that in Montana where it's kind of like a lottery to either go on a trip like that or something you kind of have to reserve to get out in some beautiful land? Mm, another, not off the top of my head that I could think of, really. There's uh, lotteries for hunting tags, you know, like yeah. certain draw, especially draw areas. But I can't think of anything along the lines of like fishing like that it's you know it's, so that's another thing that kind of makes it unique yeah, yeah. one of one of a kind in that way yeah totally i know back in the day it wasn't quite as well known so uh, there's a lot of people floated a few times but now if you get to draw once i mean it's pretty rare so and then especially going twice unless you know somebody yeah you know you kind of want to be the guy who has the boat so that you know you might get a chance to go again <laughs> just yeah, yeah. from one of your other friends no that's exciting man i'm i'm pumped for it you know just the fact that you know we were able to get that get that permit and get a good group of guys to go out with and just go spend some time out in nature with just a good group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Friends and family and yeah, getting away. There's no, no cell phone service, you know, no internet on that whole thing. Huge. That's really good. Yeah. So that kind of loops back to what we're talking about, just getting away and getting some time away from technology and and disconnecting. Yeah. And disconnecting. Uh, Getting, getting some signs from the backfield. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So hopefully this will bring, you know, more people get enthusiastic, bring more enthusiasm is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> enthusiasm for the outdoors. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether whether hunting, fishing, just hiking, biking, whatever your whatever recreation may be, you know, it's um, I think it's very important to get out there and, and enjoy nature and, and get a chance to reset if you can and, you know, just enjoy what we have, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because you never know, you know, when this stuff could go away whether you know it's population booming a natural disaster like any anything could really take some of that stuff away so yeah 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 like that's a good point about the natural disaster i can't remember zion or one of the parks where they had a big uh a big rain so like a big mudslide or something took out i can't remember if it's like angels fall or something i yeah i mean people who hopefully are watching this know a little bit more but you know the natural disaster kind of ruined that area you know and it's never going to be the same and i mean even um this like fossil I don't know exactly the name of it, but it was near Sedona. It was like fossil place. Um, was it was thought to be fossils? It was like a weird geological anomaly in the area. And back in the day, they thought it was like a fossil they had found. And and I'm not exactly sure the total history, but the, when the wildfire went through, I guess it just like ruined that area, which yeah. is super unfortunate. Yeah, I hate to see it. Yeah. So definitely, like you know, I mean, you have to do it like right now, but it's definitely worth getting a little more urgent with you know those plans that you've been putting away to to go see something or somewhere you yeah, know like yeah. get out there and go see it go do it yeah get out in nature and and really enjoy it yeah abs- absolutely man definitely worth seeing well i'm gonna whip up some food and go wrestle a dog so yeah sounds good yeah thanks for being on here man yeah thanks for having me yeah we'll talk to you soon <laughs>